The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Power, power. I love the power. Welcome to the Big Footy podcast, brought to you by Port Fan Radio and New Vision. I'm Rick Newenhoven. And uh, tonight we have a special guest. His name is Norts to most, or Daniel Norton. Um, how are you, Daniel? I'm very well, thank you, Rick. Uh, thank you for having me on the program. I've uh, I've heard a lot about it. I've listened to some interviews over the uh, the years, and uh, it's a it's a pleasure to join you, mate. Yeah, cheers. I'm glad you've tuned in to the uh, the odd show and. Uh... And, uh, yeah, how, how have you enjoyed our product? Yeah, well, I've enjoyed the storytelling. I've, I've enjoyed the the casual nature allows more, I guess, information. And it's so relaxed it allows information to be sort of um, um, revealed more than you get in your standard interview. So I heard Brian Cunningham the other day. I thought he was fantastic. I've heard Tim Ginnivero, Keith Thomas last year. Um, yeah, it's... Um, it's it's very relaxed and it's very conversational. So you, know, you do a great job, Rick. Hey, uh, oh, thank you. It, isn't it great to be put up with the same same names as those characters of the Port Adelaide Football oh. Club? Oh, look, Rick. Oh, <laughs> 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 Mate, honestly, like I'm not even going to go there. I mean, it, it's it, it's humbling to not want to be compared, but I mean, you know that I'm. A, well, first and foremost, a fan of this of this wonderful footy club, and um, you know I've been fortunate enough to work here now nearly ten years in a role that I love. But you know, you got to still scratch, you know, pinch yourself when you you know you you're dealing with Brian Cunningham or you walk past Russell Ebert in the office, or Gavin Wanganeen comes down to pay a visit to do something with the Aboriginal programs, or you see Peter Burgoyne or yeah, Warren Treadray, Dom Cassisi, all of them. It's just yeah, you just got to pinch yourself sometimes. They're um, they're greats of our club, and they've made up such a significant history. Uh, Jeff Motley walks through here regularly, um, still, you know, once a month at least. It's um, it's very humbling. Oh, I must admit, it, it would be hard not to be a little bit of a fanboy. I mean, you're like me; you're you're, you're a supporter, uh, as but also you're a you're an employee there. So uh, yeah, it would be. I can imagine. So, what's your what's your port background? Have you always been a port supporter? Did you come in late, early? Um, uh, people, we always try to get the port story from people when they come on the show. Nah, born and bred Port Adelaide. Never, never grew up in the Port Adelaide district. In fact, grew up down south when I was young, um, down Christie's Beachway, believe it or not, and then um, and then moved down towards Plimpton for 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 school. But um, no. In the family, um, um, great grandfather grew up at uh, Woodville. Grandfather at Cheltenham. Um, that was passed down to mum, which then passes it on to me, and it just becomes in your blood. It just becomes a way of life. So I, I knew no different. I, um, mum and I, um, I grew up with a single mum. So mum and I used to go to the footy together. We used to catch. She was uh, didn't have a car, so we used to catch two buses from way down south to Alberton to watch. Port Adelaide play here or even out to Elizabeth or wherever it might be out the parade it was just um a way of life and that's just what you did and it you know if you won it made you weak and if it if it didn't you you licked your wounds for a week so um was never going to be any other way Rick you're just born into it 
It's uh, and what about the opportunity to start working at Port Adelaide? How did that come about? Obviously, you, you must have been working before that. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's it's interesting, and it's not all that glamorous, really. I I um I studied. Uh, professional writing and communication at uni. I was a bit of a late bloomer. I probably didn't get my degree until I was sort of in my uh, mid, sort of early to mid 20s, around 23, 24. And then I got a job in the Riverland on radio for um, three and a half years, uh, co hosting a breakfast radio show, you know, doing a music shift and doing sport on the weekend. And you did everything up there. It was up in the Riverland, 5RM, Magic FM, up there in the Riverlands. And um, Got a job back at Five AA only on weekends, um, producing the Sunday morning sports show, doing some uh, on-air stuff across weekends. But it was really only on a Saturday and Sunday, so I went back to manage a retail store for three or four years, a place called um, Footlocker in in uh, Marion, and then Rundle Mall, which I'd done previously when I was at uni. I was just sort of working there, and so I was sort of making ends meet, you know, working seven days a week, and I just got. Got an opportunity to, to, to apply for a job here at Port back at the start of 2008 as sort of a media coordinator. Through my contacts really at 5AA in terms of being in that sporting circle, I knew that it was an opportunity that, that, that was, was coming up. And uh, after about three interviews, I got the job. So it took me a while to get the get the gig, but I, uh, I got here eventually and um, have slowly progressed up the ranks um, thanks to the confidence in the, in, in the senior managers here. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a great ride. So what's your current what's your current title and, and role now? So I'm general manager of media um, and communications. So uh, it, it's it's quite diverse. Uh, essentially, I look after uh, will help look after two two different platforms. You've got your what we would call our traditional media platforms, external media. That is the media that um, you and I consume on TV or through the advertiser or. 5AA, Triple M, SEN, wherever it might be. Um, so, so, so that is that that side of it. And the other side of it is our internal digital platforms, whereby sporting clubs around the world, AFL clubs, are becoming their own media um, platform, really, at the moment, and generating their own content. So we generate our own video content, which a lot of our supporters would know through documentaries and through Inner Sanctum stuff and through storytelling whether it be football or community or whatever it might be. And then there's also the written element to it as well, to our website. So it's sort of managing both of those arms to try and get a, a positive outcome for all our stakeholders and most importantly with our supporters in mind. Uh, mm. What our supporters want to hear and read about is, is is the number one filter that we put everything through. And back on your career, the other interesting thing I noticed there was you said the, you started it from Riverland at 5AA doing the sports show, and that's something you still do now. It's, 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 it, it is unusual. It, it, it hasn't escaped me or others. Um, it's sort of, yeah, exactly right. I, I, I've been producing or been involved on the 5AA Saturday morning sports show since I started in October 2004 uh, at mm-hmm. 5AA, which is, crikey, makes me feel old now. It's going on 14 years, but... Look, the club and, and most importantly, the management of 5AA saw no um, collusion of interest in any way in, in terms of what I was doing. Um, my role has changed slightly over the years, but effectively I was there just to um, provide comment, score updates and um, provide a sort of a, a, a platform for some information. Um, 
they never asked me. They being five double A to their to their credit, their eternal credit, never asked me um, about any inside information, whether it be on a player's contract or a player's injury or um, what's it like. You know, they have been unbelievable. They've been totally professional, and the club here has has no concerns to me working there because obviously they they trust the relationship and. You know, I'm the head of media. I, I need to protect many things, and they trust me with that. So, um, yeah, it's weird. It works. It works. Um, um, it coordinates well, and I enjoy both. And um, but my main objective, of course, is Port Adelaide. And, you know, that's my main job. The the radio is more of a hobby, if anything, Rip. So, um, how do you manage to? Shall I call them enigmas? You've got Rucci on one side, and um, and you have Graham oh. Corns on the other. That's uh, <laughs> I don't envy your uh, your job there. Where do I start? <laughs> Look, what I'll say about Cornsy is, I reckon he's, I reckon he's a closet Port Adelaide man, and the closet door is not as shut as it used to be. Deep down. You know, he's got two sons that are etched in the history of this football club forever, um, as we know. Uh, one of his greatest football days, he's on public record as saying, beyond the 73 Glenelg Grand Final, beyond coaching back-to-back Glenelg Grand Finals in the mid-'80s and 85-'86, one of his great football... The Greek's greatest football memory was watching his kids win the flag at the MCG in 2004. So, look... Let's get it in perspective. We know Graham Corns has made a sport out of um, pummeling Port Adelaide publicly for 30 years. I mean, without us, 5AA wouldn't have rated um, anywhere near as it has due to the content and due to the... Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Deep down, he's a, he's a very good man and he's, he's usually quite fair and... Look, he can't help it, can he? It's just the way. It's just the way he is. The big stud. <laughs> and anyway. Roach. Well, where do you start with Roach? Um, an absolute enigma, Roach. Well, they both are. They're both very, very different people. But um, Roach, very well considered, um, so articulate, um, so poised. You know, under pressure, and just knows Port Adelaide and football, but he knows Port Adelaide um, back to front in terms of the history and in terms of um, outstanding within with, within the AFL. And, and let's not lose sight of that. I mean, um, Michelangelo is one of the few journalists who can tell stories like no other. So, um, And he's been going through a bit of a tough period over the last three or four weeks, which a lot of people would know. So, um, you know, we're here to support him. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds a bit weird. Um, the dynamics and what's going on at the moment. I've, I've never found uh, Rucci to be as biased as what the uh, our, some rumours are from crosstown rival sources, apparently. But anyway, it is what it is, and I'm sure you can't comment too much about it, so I won't worry no, about Ma- it. I claims I would admit that between 2008 and 2011, he took a sledgehammer to our club, and, and, and rightfully so. And he, and he mentioned on radio the other day that Keith Thomas said to him uh, at the end of 2016, he said, if we ever slip back to 2011 standards again or 2012, bring out that sledgehammer and keep us honest. Yeah. That's how we think. Yeah. yeah. It's, good. It's, we, it's good to get constructive criticism. 
yeah, we need to be held to account, and that's and 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 I, and I know our members and our community want us to be held to account, and yeah. um, and 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 that's probably where we're slightly different. So, I timely had a topic controversy corner, and there seems to be a con- a bit of controversy in the AFL this week, which is crazy. Um, we, there's one topic. I know you can't talk about so I'm just going to say it straight away before people think I'm soft. Daniel is an yep. employee of the football club. Um, so there is, and there is an issue that is surrounding the football club at the moment. Um, so unfortunately, we can't talk about it even if we want to. So we're, we're not even going to approach that one. Um, so well, let's not even go there, Daniel. But there was uh, a couple of other topics that caught my interest. I noticed there was a an Essendon player this week that has been cited for biting. I can't remember the last time we've had a biter. Was that Tony Liberatore? Gee whiz. Uh, I, 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 somehow I've missed that story today, but probably not surprising given what's, uh, what's been across my desk. But um, um, I, I haven't seen it. But I, I reckon the last person I remember biting was probably Liberatore, but I remember West Coast player Chris Lewis on the boundary line back in about 1997 or 98, been a player as well. And um, I seem to remember he got three weeks for it. Um, explain to me this. I'm, I'm fascinated. Like, So who's the player involved from Essendon? Well, I think it's McGregor. And, um, oh, so Conor McGregor, yep. Yeah. So I think it's the uh, the Irish guy. And yep. uh, it looked like he, uh, he, was, he came in later tackle. He was on top of the player. And, you know, just the players, um, you know, just sort of scuffling. And next week, he's sort of giving a love bite on the neck. <laughs> on the neck? On the neck. So, uh, yeah, but I think it wasn't a love bite. But uh, it looked, uh, it didn't look good. So I don't think he's going to be playing this week against Port Adelaide. <laughs> Was he wearing a mouth guard? That I don't know. But That would uh, be very Imagine you giving a love bite with a mouth guard. Be like Imagine. a baby sucking a nipple, maybe. <laughs> right, goodness gracious, Rick. I can just see you back in the old days sitting at the Hoyt Cinema with your mouth guarding, trying to give your loved one a... <laughs> that be cocky. Oh. Yeah, it's, well, it's an interesting scenario. Well, that'll dominate the news services, you know, clearly nationally tonight. So um, when I get home, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have a bit of a look. But no, that is... Uh, in all seriousness, we'd, biting, kicking and spitting would be the... And uh, happy to discuss it with you, Rick. That'd be the three no-nos in football, wouldn't they? Biting, kicking, and spitting. Yeah, I think so. I, and Windy Runners just put in the chat, the live chat room, that Chris Maston got two weeks in 2015. Uh, I don't remember that one, but yeah, I'm with you. Biting, spitting, kicking. Uh, I guess we've been flexible in recent weeks on the uh, on the tripping. I noticed two of our games has been like a mild trip, and that used to be a reportable offence as well. But that sort of uh, Interpreted a lot more neatly or nicer now. Yeah, you're spot on. I remember it was a reportable offence, and I reckon a free kick and fifty um, about twenty years ago wasn't it? even just an, just an, an unintentional one where you'd be lunging for a tackle, and it was immediately um, thrown in the book. So um, yeah, times times have changed, but yeah, no, that's um, that's a nasty one if he's found guilty of biting. That's for sure. As long as we don't get any John Hopewades back in the AFL, that would be pretty good. No, no, no. The old, uh, the old uh, Hopalato. No, that was very uh, painful. 
Uh, and the other topic I thought that was quite uh, interesting and controversial at the moment, a few fans have said, uh, watch out, the AFL is going to need another intervention soon with six non-Victorian sides in the top eight. Now, it is only three rounds, so it's very early, but um, yep. is there question marks on the on the state of Victorian football at the moment, or, or how do you see the state of play of the AFL in general? Look, I think it's cyclical, uh, Rick. You know, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I remember, I remember, sort of 2004, five and six. There was that narrative around. Oh, here we go again. Port and Brisbane played in 04, and West Coast and Sydney played in 05 and 06, and it seemed like Freo were on the were on the rise then. All the clubs from outside of Victoria were dominating, and then it went away pretty quickly, didn't it? You, you, you got to remember that. Um, no need to work this through in my head, but. The last non-Victorian club to win a grand final when, it, when a premiership was Sydney in 2012. Mm. I've got a list in front of me, but I would think seven or eight of the last nine premierships have gone to Victorian clubs, yeah. um, which is to me that it is very much an overreaction and there are ways of balancing it out very quickly. I don't see what the, the rhyme or reason behind these cycles are either. I, I don't. I don't get a sense of it. Clearly, let's let's work through what impacts um, lists, and that's obviously uh, list management and, and, and draft um, can impact. You know, you know, uh, there's experience of your of your team at a certain time. It's the way you play your home ground. Um, you know, I'm thinking if I'm a Victorian club and I play 18 out of my 22 games in Melbourne, you know, I should be winning. You know, a fair a fair portion of those games, given I'm not travelling all that much. So I don't know why interstate clubs would have this this real dominance. I'm just trying to think that through is a question without notice. So, um, look, no doubt the clubs at the moment interstate are really well organised. There's Port Adelaide, Adelaide. You know, whether we love them or hate them, they're you know they're they're a very well coached, well organised side. Sydney are fantastic. We we know what they've been about for the last 15 years. GWS are emerging um, very very quickly. And then you've got powerhouses like West Coast with a lot of money behind them and, and Fremantle. So um, it, it, when you look at it, it doesn't it, it, it makes sense, but um, I think it's just cyclical, Rick. Do you have a view on that? Yeah, look, I think it's cyclical as well, mate. It's um, I think like I think the interesting thing is, like you said, there's some powerhouse clubs. You look at Sydney and West Coast, they're, uh, uh, and even the Crows of recent times, they're very consistent and they're always performing to a high ability. So... Um, that's enabling them to get into the finals more often than not, which means then you then you've got the other uh, non-interstate sides and the Victorian sti- sides going through that more draft cyclical process. But I guess the Victorian counter argument is that if they're playing 18 games at home, um, they're playing on neutral ground against fellow Victorian rivals. Um, I guess they yep. could always go and find non-neutral grounds like Alice Springs and Darwin and other locations to, to try and give themselves, or Tasmania, to try and give themselves an advantage if they were very desperate for it. But um, yep. but it is what it is, and well, it's only round mm-hmm. three. And uh, But I just I guess quickly, um, so we've got Port Adelaide on top, which is fantastic, uh, 12 points, Giants on eight points, Crows on eight, Melbourne on eight, West Coast eight, all the way through to uh, Sydney and Hawthorne and uh, Frio in 10th. Um, so... You know, and I, I read that Port is the first club since 2007 on West Coast um, to be the only team undefeated after round three, which is a good thing. Yeah, look, I read that as well. And, I mean, that can be construed the wrong way. Uh, you know, some people say, this is amazing. Like, what a start. But, I, 
you know, the point is the only club. So, for example, in years gone by, there might have been three years ago, there might have been three sides that were three and zip. Just happens to be we're the only side sitting at three and zip at the moment. So, um, you're right. I read that 2007. It was West Coast, um, and uh, yeah. So there's a long, long way to go, but it is a it is a great start, and there's there's certainly a lot of momentum around the club at the moment, which is which is very exciting. Absolutely. Well, let's get on to the game review, which uh, I guess I don't know about you, Daniel, but I was happy just to bank. Uh, the four points. I think I think there was expectations for Port to demolish the opposition like we did with the, uh, the struggling teams uh, last year, but that didn't occur. Just quickly, some of the stats that mattered. We, we did win the disposals, but that was about it. We won on the stat sheet. Um, free kicks, uh, we were down by seven, and a lot of Port supporters weren't happy with the umps. Uh, clearances, we were down uh, 33 to 40, 41, which probably didn't help with Stefan Martin running around crazy, unattended. Uh, inside 50s, we did end up having more. We had 55 to 43, and then we lost the contested possessions, the tackles, the hitouts, and the interchanges. Um, so were you expecting, as a supporter, did you think it was going to be a comfortable game this week, or were you expecting a tough tussle as we got? No, nah, look, I've got, to be, I've got to be honest, Rick. I... I looked at the ladder. I looked at our, our ability to beat sides below us over the last um, sort of sixteen months or so, and I thought, well, you know, this is probably we're probably a two goal better side than Brisbane each quarter. I try to break it down like that, and I'm thinking, you know, an eight goal win is probably about right. But what you quickly realise, Rick, is that this competition is so much tighter than we give the credit for. Uh, that we give respect for. You know, you have to be just off your game a little bit or you, or you you haven't got your main ruckman and suddenly, you, for whatever reason, you are back to the fore very, very quickly. That's why, that's exactly why Port Adelaide right now are the only undefeated side because other sides are winning games and losing games that they should be winning and should be losing. Geelong are one and two at the moment. It, it is just a tough competition and upsets will happen right across the season. Look, I've got to say that it was one of those wins that, I mean, people people forget and, and rewrite history a, a lot. I remember going to watch the Magpies play during the Halcyon days of, you know, 88, 89, 90 through the 90s. And some days we just didn't get it going and we beat South by five points or Woodville by eight points. And you think, my goodness gracious, we pulled our teeth getting through that game. Sometimes you've just got to win ugly. And in the past, we may have lost that game um, on the weekend you just got to win ugly sometimes. And I was really, really proud of the boys that they, they hung on, got the job done, and now we bank the points. And as Ken said at the, the post-match presser, come round 23 at the end of it, you're not going to look back and, you know, work out which games you won and lost by what amount. It's just a matter of winning, isn't it? So, um, yes, would have liked to have won by more, Rick, but bloody thankful that we won. Yeah, I'd rather a win than a loss. And uh, I guess we could be a little bit disrespectful to Brisbane too. They came out and uh, they... They had a game plan which they stuck to and they stuck to that game plan for the full four quarters and uh, uh, they never gave it away. And I, I, One of the comments I had on the uh, on the Big Footy Forum yesterday was uh, they're probably going to be one of those young sides where they're plucky early on and they'll, they'll probably come up against a few other good teams and maybe drop a few and, you know, and then they'll lose a bit of confidence and then they, they might fall away. But uh, early season, they're playing to their structures and, and they really took it up to uh, Port Adelaide. Yeah, they did. They were um, 
they were yeah that they were very good. You can see they've got they've got a future. They're they're, they're well coached, well structured, and as you said, Stefan Martin was just unbelievable. Um, they're you know they're tall forward, look dangerous late. He could look like he could a goal from anywhere, and you know, we were, we were lucky to to hang on. But sometimes you know luck goes your way. In saying that, if we kicked six three instead of three six in the first quarter, and you know yeah, I think you mentioned that we had. 13 or 14 more inside 50s or 12, 55 to 43 inside 50s, then, you know, we probably should have won by five or six goals. But uh, we win by five points and, you know, we, we butter up for next week. So um, uh, very thankful we won. Yeah, well, I guess that was one of the things I was going to focus on week by week after the goal kicking being quite controversial um, uh, for us last year. Uh, we were 14-13, kicked five points in the last quarter. Um, no goal, so that was a little bit disappointing uh, with 27 scoring shots out of 55 inside 50, so we were under 50% conversion for our inside 50s and uh, tracking at about just over 50% efficiency for our uh, goals scored to shots on goal, so it, it all looks like we may have been a little bit fatigued this week after the uh, intense Sydney game uh, our pressure acts were down, especially from the defensive unit by half and yeah. our, um, our intensity just did seem to look a little bit flat, which could come across as uh, complacency. Um, did you go to the Sydney game, or did you did you hear anything from any any of the admin staff that went to, to the game that it was hot up there, or the conditions were pretty tough? No, I, I went to Sydney. I was there as part of the as part of the travelling um, media team uh, with, with with the players, and spot on, it was Sydney was extremely warm and for that time of the year very humid across that whole weekend uh, they would have averaged 28s 29s 30s I think at game time last Sunday or Sunday week ago in Sydney on Easter Sunday was 29 and then at half time when the the sun set then the the humidity um, you know the, the moisture got sucked out and suddenly it became really slippery after half time as you as everyone would have noticed so yeah it was warm early humid in the second half energy sapping and then look by my calculations that's about the third game well that is the third game that we played 29 30 degree heat or more for the first three rounds of the year so um you know it's going to take a toll eventually particularly on a six-day break got to remember we played we, our game against sydney finished about um 7 30 p.m and you're back and you're playing an early saturday afternoon game so every hour counts so a six-day break or less than um it can have an impact let's not under, underestimate that so um, yeah. Although our staff do a fantastic job with that as well. Uh, we just had a quick question from the chat room. I don't want to forget about it. Uh, Bevan asked, was there much of an increase in media requests ahead of the China game last year? Uh, what extra resources does the club need to meet this demand? It's a really good question by Bevan. Um, oh, China was... Um, enormously busy for every department had, whether, whether it be an events, membership, um, football, community, or media, you know, it, it had an impact on all our departments. In, in terms of promoting the game, there was no doubt that it was um, um, intensely uh, interesting game for both. You've got, you've got, you've got to remember there are, there are two... Um, there are two different platforms. There are you have Australian media who are um, incredibly interested in this history-making game in China. So we would have had twenty-five to thirty Australian media 
coming over with us that we had to manage on the ground in China. This is not including the whole lead up, you know, the three or four months leading up. This is just in China. And then you've got, you, then you've got mainland China media um, who are naturally curious and, and inquisitive about this weird Australian game. And then you've also got media here in Australia that are representing Chinese media outlets as well. So you've got all these different platforms that are coming at you from different angles saying, tell us about this game. And your messaging needs to be tailored slightly differently. Like, clearly, Australian media know what our game is and, and, and what it consists of. They're more interested in the in the newness of playing in China, whereas the Chinese media have no idea what football even is. So you've got to tailor your whole messaging. It's, it's very complicated. involves a lot of um, strategic social media work as well, particularly in China. Um, but to answer Bevan's question... Workload went through the roof. It was it was something that we all enjoyed and embraced. We knew it was coming, and it was well worth it. Um, I'll never forget um, front page of the Australian after we knocked off Gold Coast, warm the cockles of my heart, um, saying that you know Port Adelaide and Australian football had had, had won over China because you got to remember we've only been on the front page of the Australian three times in the, in the history of our club, and that was when we were accepted into the AFL in uh, officially in 1996 when we won our premiership in 2004 and playing our first game in China in 2017. Only three times. So it puts into perspective how important the media saw our our China play from a from, from a national Australian, the Australian media perspective. So, um, yeah, I'll probably slightly digress there, but Bevan, it, it was busy. It took a lot of execution both on the ground in China and, and here, and um, we're looking forward to doing it all again in about five or six weeks' time. Oh, uh, I'll give you an opportunity to give us an update if you want to say anything about China really shortly. I just I'll finish off. We'll finish off the game review, and uh, and then we'll uh, go into that one. But um, I guess the other controversial part about the game was um, uh, we looked good in patches. Second quarter, we kicked seven goals, and we're thinking, here we go. Here's a steamroll, and Brisbane came back, but. Stephen Martin, being the, the sole ruck in the game, he uh, he had a huge game. Uh, 30 disposals, massive amount of hitouts. Um, how did you find his game? And um, I guess the question is, what can we do? Uh, for me, um, to sort of help you with that one, to me, I, I think we underplayed Charlie Dixon in the ruck. And um, he, he was great against Sydney. And uh, I think Charlie would have at least nullified a bit more of the ruck contest. Look, Rick, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you the standard line here because <laughs> I'm, um, I've got my media manager's hat on. I, I'm, I'm not part of the footy department, clearly, and um, and uh, it's not my role to, to represent the footy department in terms of talking about selection or strategy. But um, I, I guess what I can say from a supporter's point of view is, look, you look out there and you see that you know we're missing our best and fairest. We're missing the All-Australian Ruttman, Paddy Ryder. So clearly... Whoever comes in to replace him is going to be there's going to be a void of some sort. I guess when you've got a couple of part time Ruttman in, in Justin Westhoff and and Charlie, um, that's going to be even more apparent, isn't it? When you when you when you compare him to what Paddy's output would be. Um, look, I don't know what they're going to do moving forward in terms of I have no insight, and I, I don't want to know in terms of this week whether Billy Friend gets an opportunity or um, Sam Hayes. Or, I, I don't know, um, but um, what I what I did observe in Sydney and having spoken to Kenny is that the Charlie Dixon strategy probably helped because it was a, 
because at half time, because of that due, it, it became irrelevant really to have a tall forward, tall forward line. Uh, we went a lot shorter. Um, it's when Boat came into the game, of course, etc., and um, and the like. So we moved Charlie out of there, and so so we weren't robbing Peter to pay Paul. We actually didn't need a tall forward, so he then just needed to provide a contest around the ground. Um, I guess on the weekends, being perfect conditions and looking for a guy who can clunk a mark up forward and kick straight from 40 or 50. We needed Charlie Ford as well. You know, clearly, that's his role. That's his main role. So um, I take your point. Um, he rucked really well the weekend before against Sydney, but I think conditions probably suited him a lot more up there in Sydney due to the, the heavy conditions of the night. So um, we just have to wait and see. Uh, what's, your, what's your gut feel in terms of selection this week, Rick? I, don't, I know you were in an interview, but I feel like I'm interviewing you as well. <laughs> what's, um, what's your gut you think if Billy Frampton needs an opportunity or, um, you know, Essendon have got, you know, Bell Chambers and et cetera, so, so they're reasonably strong in that department, aren't they? Yeah, look, I mean, there's a, two schools of thought on Bill Chambers that he's just more a clunkett and that's it, sort of Rutman, but, I mean, he kicked five goals against us in that disaster last year. Ironically, I was in the Hong Kong airport listening to that game and uh, was, that was painful, but... Um, look, Don't remind Hey? Don't remind me. <laughs> but, uh, look, I don't... If, I mean, I don't, look, I'm like, you I've got no idea what the coaches know. And But, I mean, reading what I read, Ken Hinckley said that the Rutman that we've got in the reserves aren't ready. So I just take that on face value. And um, which means to me that the Rutman aren't ready, which means we don't play those Rutman because they're yep. crazy. So, but I, I sort of disagree with the, the view... Um, that we needed Charlie up forward. I think against Brisbane, we probably could have just gone with um, uh, Watson, Marshall up forward, and yep. uh, and and maybe swung uh, West off a little bit more forward and and had uh, Dixon as that ruckman and and go behind the play. I mean, you know, I read all the players rightfully coming out saying that you know you, they do what they have to do for the team, and the most important thing is for the team to win and. And even in that last three minutes when Charlie went into the ruck, when the game was on the line, he started nullifying the contest, bringing the ball to ground and, and giving us more of an equal opportunity at the stoppages. Now, um, uh, so I think if we brought Charlie in earlier into that game, um, it might have been a little bit of, of a different result um, in relation to the scoreline and it probably wouldn't have been as close. And and I would be happy just to see Charlie as the main ruck. And I know people get a bit anxious about Ruckman getting injured more. Um, however, yep. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, Nick Nat Nui is probably the, the most noticeable Ruckman of recent times that's injured himself. And But he's a bit of a high flyer and impact lander. And uh, he's a big boy, obviously. So, you know, that would have put stress on his knee. Um, you know, Charlie can be a straight line runner um, with a bit of tap work. Um, so I'd be happy to stick with the team that we've got. And, uh, and really just see uh, uh, Charlie doing a bit more of the ruck workload. That would be my view on that. Yeah, the injury on Ruckman sort of went out the... Look, I get it still because it's a very contested position, but it basically went out sort of seven or eight years ago when they sort of put that circle in so you didn't have the massive run-up and they, you know, they took the PCL injuries out of it where the knee collided and you get a lot of Ruckman who would injure that PCL um, which could put them out for up to you know, 12 to 16 weeks. So now they've brought that circle in, they don't collide as heavily at the centre. So I tend to agree with you there that there's less collision with Ruckman these days. Uh, and, and now they can't even grapple a boundary throwing. So goodness gracious, what next? Yeah, look, they're, 
they've really bastardised and eliminated the uh, the rucking contest, which is a bit of a shame. I I actually like stoppages in the game, and uh, I like that part of the game. But anyway, that's uh, that's just me, and that doesn't matter. Um, I just wanted to go on to a couple of players that I, I thought were a standout. Um, yep. We had Jared Pollock uh, topping the charts. Now my mate Macca, who's retired for this year, uh, he's been a bit controversially uh, negative on the big Pollock recently and, and doesn't think he's doing the run and carry and just one kicks. But I thought he was very influential. He had uh, 29 disposals, nine contested possessions, had took that max match-saving mark of the goal line. I thought, well, I've been a bit of a harsh judge on, on Sam Gray, Daniel, I'll, I'll admit that, And uh, but I thought he had a fantastic game. I, I loved his uh, nippy ability. Uh, he, you know, he was actually sliding on the ground at the right time to get the ball, but getting up, and his evasiveness yep. was uh, very, very mature. So he's coming of age as a player. Hamish Hartlett had a great game. Robbie Gray, uh, he's building as well, and, and Tom Rockcliffe probably had his best game for the club. Um, who were your favourites for the yeah. for the game? Yeah, I would say that Jared Polek for me is is unfairly maligned. I almost have him in the Westhoff category as you know in terms of being maligned. I have him and Westhoff as being you know many would disagree with me here, but I, I reckon when Polek plays well, we play well. He's a barometer for our side. His football IQ, his ability to be able to to get the one two and see what he wants to do next well before anybody else, is underrated, significantly underrated. He's a very smart kid. I'll never forget Jonathan Brown, when we were about to recruit him back at uh, the end of 2013, said he is the best kick to a leading forward I've ever... This is Jonathan Brown. Three, you know, he's played with this, the greats of the game. Jared Pollock is the best kick when I'm leading towards him. He will hit me every time. So um, very underestimated, very creative, got a great footy IQ, I consider him very similar to Westhoff in that in that regard. And I agree with your points on particularly Sam Gray. I mean, Crockies, at the end of last year in round 23, he kicked six against the Gold Coast, which I know it's, with all respect to the Gold Coast, we won by 20 goals that night, but he kicked six. That's, for a small forward, that's two goals off our, our, our all-time record mm. of eight goals with Schultz and, and, and Trevor. So his form's been very good for a, for a long period of time now, Sam Gray, and... Um, yeah, I agree with you about Hartman and Robbie Gray building as well. So, um, and Tommy Rockcliffe, good to get that one, uh, you know, done against his old side. I know he was really nervous before round one. He, he's put that aside now. Really nervous before playing his old side in round three. I reckon we're about to see the very best of Rocky in the next few weeks. Uh, the two other player topics, I guess, is one, Chad Wingard. I think there's a, a few supporters that are being very harsh on Chad. Um, he had four goal, goal assists, uh, kick one goal, one twenty disposals, playing as a uh, you know as a small forward. Um, yep. I think we really enjoy his creativity up forward, and uh, obviously with the goal assists that shows. Um, I guess he sets such a high benchmark for himself. Um, you know, there's only one way to go, which is down, I guess. But yeah, in that small forward category, I mean, as some posters on Big Footy sort of said, if. Um, if he was Cyril Rioli, you'd be locking down the Brownlow already if Cyril was getting those sort of stats. Of course. No, if he played for a big Victorian club, Chad Wingard would be the, one of the biggest players in the game. Let's just, you know, I think we measure him um, very harshly as well. He does some things that you don't even 
you don't even realise. I'll, I'll go back to a moment in the Sydney game last week where Travis Boat kicked his second goal, second goal in, you know, within a minute. But it was Chad Wingard gave the big assist. If you go back and have a look at the replay, he's he's created a he's created a ball drop in a marking contest where he's brought the ball to ground when he was so out of position, deliberately sort of palmed it down into the path of where Travis was sort of hovering. And, you know, there's a few things that had to go right for him still to get the ball. But that was his instinct. That was that was what Chad can do that we all don't really see until you sit back and have a look at the replay and go, gee, I didn't pick that up. How, how good was that? Um, no, he's he, he's he, he kicks the big goals when we need them. Um, I, 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 I won't hear of any criticism of Chad. I, I won't cop that. Some people think that he maybe has lost a little bit of his passion for the game. Uh, yeah, I guess you, you probably see him a little bit closer. I mean, I, do, I just think that's in, interpreting something that's not there. Um, you know, is, is that an based on just based his demeanor, on what, his body language? Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't see it myself. Well, he's always been a very laconic, casual sort of guy. I mean, geez, I remember him going back you know, playing GWS back in 2013 and, and he'd, he'd, he'd actually say, I, I need to sort of get myself sort of going here. You know, this is when, back when GWS, not remind us of that, but it's in 2012, of course, but this is when GWS was still struggling in 2013 and, and a bit in 14. And, and sometimes he needed to G himself up for those games because he'd get himself up for the big games. Um, he's always been enigmatic like that. That's... that's um, that's Chad. That's you know. That's what we um, what we just need to uh, know and love about him. That you know his body language can sort of come and go. And I know that he is his passion for the game and his um, uh, competitiveness uh, is is completely is contradictory to sometimes his body language. So um, no, I wouldn't read too much into that. Yeah, I don't think so either. And just the last player topic, uh, the recruits. How did you find them on the weekend? I thought Rockcliffe was is uh, getting better. Uh, I thought uh, I thought Motlop, again, he's impressing me. I'm enjoying his speed. He, he's really unleashing it. And uh, look, I thought Watts probably should have just backed himself in a little bit more. He tried to probably be too team orientated, and um, but you know Watts had a game, and I can, again, he's one of those players where you just can't expect to get a 25 possession, three goal game from him every game. I thought all the recruits contributed what they need to do. Yeah, I'd like to. I, I prefer to take him over a body of work. You know, over the last three weeks and taking a bit of the JLT as well. I, I, I think I think Steve Stevie Motlop has been has been the, the excitement machine, hasn't he? The breath of fresh air so far. He's delivered exactly what we wanted, and probably even a little bit more. Like his his, his energy. Uh, you know, the, even the Sydney game. You know, his his energy and his ability to be able to hit the scoreboard at the right time. Did on the weekend, of course, he did against Fremantle and um, and had a really good JLT game out here against um, the Crows as well. You know, Watts kicked six that day out here. I know it was a JLT game, um, and has been contributing, um, you know, across the across the season proper as well. And and Tommy's numbers early probably were a little bit under where where he expected. You've got to remember, he had no preseason. He didn't play a JLT game, um, and now coming in and getting over twenty on the weekend, kicking an important goal. Um, like I said before, I think we're about to see the best of him. And um, what you've got to remember, we're so very fortunate at the moment is that we've got we've got the depth in those midfield roles to be able to sort of cover each other. So uh, it's a really good position to be in. 
Well, I think it, it gives us a game within a game because uh, our midfield depth bats so deep now that um, we can sort of we can have two midfield rotations for two se sections of the game um, just because of our depth. I mean, even Sam Gray, if we wanted to, and you know, and obviously Chad can roll through there if we need that. Um, so the structure variety that we can have now in, in the game is probably the deepest in the in the AFL, which gives us a strong um, advantage over the opposition. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. It's um, and, and and hence why we were so proactive at, um, at, at the end of last season to, to, to get these um, to get these players. So um, the exciting and look as long as we keep winning, Rick. I don't care who plays well as long as we keep winning and kicking yeah. kicking more. Than, um, I'm very happy. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Now, um, did you... Uh, oh, I usually have one topic here, which is uh, my top three, and you can uh, agree or disagree. So okay. I, had, I had Jared Pollock as uh, best on ground, Sam Gray second best on ground, and Chad Wingard third best on ground. Do you, do you or the, uh, the listeners uh, on the podcast uh, agree with that, or do you disagree with that? Well... Crikey's. Now, I'm, I certainly agree with Pollock. Certainly agree. Um, uh, Winker, you, you mentioned his numbers before. What, 21, keep the goal, four goal assists. I can't really complain with that. Um, and who was your Sam Gray. Sam Gray. Well, 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 he was an exciting machine. Who? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on, on those three. Who were your... Um, who are your unlucky ones to miss out? Uh, unlucky, Hamish Hartlett, who I think has been fantastic this year. I've been critical of him as a leader over times, but I think his, as a leader he has been amazing this year and putting his body on the line and, and supporting the team play. Uh, Robbie Gray and also uh, Ollie Wines, I thought, were strong contributors. Uh, and obviously Ollie sort of rolled his ankle, which reduced his output in the last quarter. No, yeah, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with you in top three. Just on Ollie, how good was he against Sydney the week oh, before? Mate. Gracious. I mean, the, the thing against Sydney, which I noticed, um, and I sort of made comment of that last week, Daniel, is um, I thought for the first time in four years I saw Michael Voss's stamp on a game. Um, yeah. When, when Ollie and Sam Pepper came out in the third quarter and they came out physically strong, gunning for the body, um, like wanting to impact the player in the contest. And then Robbie Gray with his repeat efforts in the midfield trying to nullify the ball. To me, that was that was Michael Voss as a modern player. And that was that was the first time I really thought I saw the midfield play like Michael Voss used to play as a player. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree. I, I thought Brad Ebert was quite effective on the weekend as well in various in various roles. Obviously kicked along an important goal as well, so I'm not sure if um and the other one too that how good has he been across the whole preseason as well as Riley Bonner? Yeah. I think he got odd on the weekend again. Um, Twenty two, he was obviously rising star in round one. Uh, played a role against Sydney. Had a great JLT. Uh, just took him on out here against the Crows, just running rampant. Um, the guys played seven games. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's been around for three years. I'm with you, mate. He. Uh... He's, oh. the new, he's the new Jasper Pittard, but I think he's yeah. even, he, he even has the goods to maybe even be better than Jasper, which is a big call. 
yeah, well, again, it, we always talk, you know, talk about footy instinct and that. He just seems to know he got time, hasn't he, Riley? Yeah. He's got time, and he goes on the left foot when, you know, those left footers that Hawthorne used to have in the mid two, you know, late two thousands, cross half back. Yeah, they've just got a special knack. Yeah, Riley, uh, Riley is a very, very good player. I loved his uh, right foot goal. Uh, against Sydney from outside 50. Uh, and I think the thing is he sees time and space and he's able to create the run and he doesn't get caught with the ball. Um, so I think he, he's going to have a bright future if he keeps playing like that. And obviously Hamish Hartlett's his mentor and is doing good things with uh, with Riley. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, yeah, both um, both boys from uh, West Adelaide Football Club originally, of course. And yeah, yeah, it's good to see them working together. So, so no, I think very good. Did you have anything else you wanted to contribute to the supporters about the uh, the China game coming up in five, six weeks' time? Um, I noticed, noticed that the AGM, the travel packages, was a bit of a uh, controversial one. Uh, yeah, tickets still available, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, tickets are still available. I think the travel packages have sawed themselves out in terms of that res- that um, that respect, I, I, my understanding. Um, <laughs> tickets are selling well. If you do want to go... Um, you will have the you will have the greatest time of your life. I'm telling you, it is unbelievable. But if you do want to go, get get yourself sorted because you've got to get a visa or um, obviously organised, etc., which can take a few weeks. And what we're only five or so weeks away, so um, get onto it and go through Teeley Travel or Phil Hoffman Travel or anything like that. Um, that they're working with the club and uh, and get yourself over there because it is an incredible experience. Rick, did you go last year at all? Uh, no, I. Couldn't. I was in America, um, yep. so I couldn't go. And unfortunately, uh, I'm in America this year, so I can't go again this year. Oh. But uh, I will get there, unless you want to buy me a ticket to just jaunt <laughs> over quickly. It, 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 mate, it, it is worth it. Rick, you you will love it. It's um, and, and try and get there next year. Um, if you can't get there, obviously this year is short notice. But it is. Um, it is a. We're talking about one of the world's most dynamic cities. We're talking Shanghai, population of Australia in a small city, twenty-four million, and Port Adelaide is playing a game in Shanghai. Port Adelaide. I mean, how good is this? Yeah. You know, I said to I said to someone last year. I said, thirty years ago, our biggest road trip was to Elizabeth. Um, well, probably wasn't. It was probably actually if you if you work the if you work the um, the uh, kilometres, it was probably down to Norlunga, even though actually yeah. south of But Anyway, you, you get my point. Now we're playing in Shanghai, Port Adelaide. I mean, it is just incredible how we're taking this game to the world and our club and Keith Thomas and David Koch have to be, uh, and Andrew Hunter um, have to be praised um, forever for that. It's been an unbelievable uh, journey so far. Two years ago, I went to uh, Shenzhen for a, a day trip from Hong Kong. And uh, it was funny, I, I got to the port and I didn't realise that I needed a, a visa to get into China. And so I'm at the port and uh, organising a visa on, on the spot there. And, uh, you know, the, the Chinese uh, police officer, he says to me, oh, where are you from? And I said, Australia. And he goes, oh, Australia. There's, uh, what, 25 million people there? And I said, yeah, it's about right. He goes, oh, it's smaller than our city. <laughs> and he, he took great humour in it. But uh, they knew they knew about Australia and they, they had obviously had an interest in Australia as well. So, yeah, I bet it will be an amazing experience for um, for those that can get along and uh, 
yeah, I'd highly encourage it if you can. I mean, China Southern, I think, does some pretty affordable flights too to, to get over there. Nah, we're, uh, I'm all about Cathay Pacific, right, man. Come on. Or sponsor Cathay Pacific. Well, we're talking one of the great airlines of the world here. You want to go in comfort, straight Adelaide to Hong Kong, Cathay Pacific. They'll sort you out from uh, Hong Kong to Shanghai. You'll be there in a blink of an eye in total comfort. Cathay Pacific all the way. And can I actually say on that, uh, and this isn't a plug and wasn't scripted, um, most of the time I do go to Asia uh, Cafe Pacific um, because uh, it is actually a good price and uh, the, plane, the plane seats are a bit, uh, bit bigger. I haven't, I haven't actually flown China Southern, but I know they're actually a budget uh, airline. And uh, yeah. yeah, but anyway, but it, anyway, we digress. So a couple sure. of qu- questions and answers for you, Daniel, before we uh, uh, head off into the sunset. Um, yes, needs gravy from Bigfooty asked. Are you ever worried that on the Saturday morning show you'd say out loud what you're thinking about Kim Dillon? Oh, gee, oh dear. <laughs> Kim Dillon. Oh, my gosh. Just think about this. I've got to put up with Kim Dillon, the stud, often together. And throw Roach in there, but he's okay. But Kim Dillon, goodness gracious me. Now, look, Kim. Kim's actually a... Um, he's a very, very good man, except... Um, He's only got one problem. He's he's looks. Some people do have faults, and his fault is that he's um, an ambassador, um, which he probably can help. But he's too far down the track now, so that's his only fault. He can't he can't really deal with that now. So everyone's got a cross to bear, and Kim's got that. So but apart from that, though, apart from his ego, how many times do you have to tell me he won the reserves McGarry Medal in nineteen eighty three? I mean, who cares? a reserves McGarry medal and uh, yada, yada, yada. So, um, no, loves the sound of his own voice, Kimbo. Uh, certainly loves retelling the stories uh, about his um, checkered career and loves his crows. <laughs> um, Bomber Clifford said, does it offend you when people call you Norts because it sounds like Norks? It's a really, that's a very good point. Bomber Clifford, he might be Barry Curtin. Barry Curtin who we know and love here is one of the great men of Port Adelaide who's been yes. here for 30 odd years. He still call, he still thinks my surname is Norks. And <laughs> I, he still calls me that to, to this day. And I haven't had the, um, I haven't had the sort of the, I'm too embarrassed to correct him now. So, you know, when someone calls you something, you just, once it's gone for a couple of weeks, it's too, it's too far. He's been doing it for 10 years. He calls me Norks. So I, I don't know why. I don't know if he thinks I like him. But that's my nickname, Norks, to him, not Norts. Um, Norts isn't a great nickname as well. I, I remember meeting a few people for the first time. They've gone, oh, crikey, what they? Didn't know my surname at the time. Go, why do they call you Norts? What, you no good at batting? What, you just couldn't make a run? I said, no. No, that's not why they call you Norts. Um, yeah, but it is what it is. But no, to that, uh, to Bomber Clifford, I do get called Norks by one B. Curtin. Uh, my old co-host Macca, who uh, had to retire for uh, to family commitments and work, he's had a bit of a sledge at me, Daniel. He said, "Can you teach Rick to come up with better show titles? Come on, uh, creativity in that sense has never been my strong point." What's your show title? I don't know. Port B Brisbane Review with Daniel Norton, something like that. 
Oh, come on, Rick. Put a little bit of uh, thought into it. I know it's only 6 a.m. over where you are, but how about investing a bit of time and creativity into oh. it? You, you know, you're a brand man. You, you understand the importance of positioning yourself in a marketplace. That is a very wishy-washy headline. Oh, but it is what it is, right? We're reviewing the game, and uh, it's got Daniel Norton on the show. I think that says it all. No, no fair call. You're spot right. on, actually. I'm happy. I'm happy to do that. And it's always about six o'clock in the morning while I'm travelling the US while I'm still doing the show and not ditching it. So uh, I think that's a, a fair call. Um, just on that, just on that. I love your passion. I love the passion of um, the big footy community. You deserve a, a, a massive star, a massive pat on the back for continuing this while you're travelling overseas. Um, it's 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 people like you. And all the other supporters who are tuning in at the moment, um, supporters who contribute to Big Footy that bond this club and make this club so special. So, in all seriousness, you should be very, very proud of what you're trying to do to keep the community connected and informed. Cheers, thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it. Um, you, you do what you do when you love it, don't you? And uh, it's not a, it's not a job or it's not onerous when you love something that you do. And, and I think that's one of the observations I make too from the people that work at Port Adelaide. It's uh, you know, it's a family and there's a, a big commitment there with everyone that works at the club and, and the supporters outside. You know, there's a few, there's a, a few shows that are on the go with Port Fam Radio and it's great. Um, someone asked Smithy about the game day village. Has that all been cleared up now with the Port Media? Is there anything that still needs to be clarified there? Like who's running it? Is Port going to be back in it? Um, there seems to be, there was some confusion last week, that's for sure. Uh, look, it's a, it's, it's a really good question and, you know, on behalf of the club, we... We under, we're as frustrated as anybody. Let, let's put it out there right now. We're as frustrated as anybody, and we understand the community's frustration because it's a key pillar of what we stand for as part of our game day experience. The bottom line, last weekend, we weren't able to get out. And, and you you got to you got to understand, there are, there are various stakeholders here. It's not just Port Adelaide. There is, um, there is Tennis SA, there's the stadium, there's the council. Various stakeholders go into... Um, setting up conditions that we need to um, set up Game Day Village by and licence conditions is, is critical. And we didn't have the um, the correct licence conditions for, for last weekend. So right now we're, we're working through that with a view of having something uh, established by um, Anzac Round, Round 5 against Geelong, and we're hopeful we'll be able to communicate our messaging to our people by the end of this week, so there's plenty of time in the lead up to next the following weekend's game. Great. Um, Lockhart Road had a, an interesting question. We, when KT came on our show, uh, a October sixteenth. Uh, yeah. Were you were you a bit nervous about that at the time? Was uh, you know, was there a bit of trepidation about him coming on the show? Yeah, I I, I heard this. I'm not sure where that where that really came from. So, look, my role, we've got to understand, is, is my role at the footy club is, you know, is, 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 is broad, but it's to, it's to look after the, it is to look after the, um, you know, Keith's media arrangements and David's, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I guess the only trepidation I had was that he had gone through a really, really, really busy period 2016 was an extremely draining year for everybody as we were preparing for china and from memory the only trepidation i had was um you know the energy to contribute to another interview because my my, my message to keith was 
and he would never do this anyway. He'd never underestimate it. But I said, don't underestimate a one-hour interview with um, Port Fan Radio because regardless, whatever you say is on public record. And, and these guys are part of a broader media platform now. So, you know, that was my message to him, just to, just, just to be, you know, just, just to understand that, you know. And, and, um, and I thought, from memory, he gave you 77 or 78 minutes of his best. And that was the only trepidation I had. I had no, no issue with him talking broadly to, to this community that are listening now. Because, as I just said to you just five minutes ago, I, I love what you're doing. You're the heartbeat of this footy club, and um, I have no issues with that. So, yeah, I heard about that at the time, and um, I'm not entirely sure specifically where that where that came from. I, I have a sense where it came from. I think it might have come from a conversation in China, but, um, yeah, um, no, I'm more than happy for it to go ahead. He, he was he was great. He was open. He was honest on that interview. The only thing I didn't like about that interview, I couldn't get a word in from Porsche. She was that excited. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, where's Porsche? Where's Porsche now? Uh, Porsche does the Thursday night shows, and uh, so she does the preview shows, and um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it is what it is. So I'm doing the Monday, she does the Thursday. So, but I'm sure if KT was coming back on the uh, on the program, that she would be putting her hand up. So uh, I guess we're all busy and. Uh, and uh, trying to manage our workloads. So, uh, so, so basically, yeah. polite, you're telling me I'm not good enough for Porsche? <laughs> well, to be honest, I didn't even ask her. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm we're like... trying to manage the workloads. But yeah, I think Porsche's probably, she only saves herself for the big guns, Daniel. You're probably not worthy, my friend. No, I, 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 like we said right at the start of this interview, this is just humbling, just having an opportunity to, just to talk in all seriousness when you compare against... Yeah. KT, um, in all seriousness, will go down as one of the great administrators of this footy club, by the way. So, yeah. um, remember that. In, no, he's a good he, man. He, he's, yeah. 20 years. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know his nickname around the community, Casual Keith. Yes, I do. Yes, yes. But I think that sums up uh, Keith very well. He, you know, he's a, he's a businessman, but he's also a, a football empathizer and a football fan empathizer and so he's happy to get his hands dirty and, and get down on the ground and be with the fans as much as being a, a business person at the same time trust me he, he, he's casual on occasions but uh, if you see him in some meetings he's he's not all that casual if you know what i mean so yeah. um he's a very very smart operator don't worry about that he's um he's been wonderful for this footy club since he started at the end of 2011 and last question from the crowd is, how did the club feel with the Never Terrace Apart went this week with the, the sound down at the end? Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that. A really good question. Um, you know, it's not It's not about... And, and I'll be curious, you know, if you want to make this a thread on Bigfooty, because ultimately it's not about what we feel or what I feel here at Port Adelaide at the footy club, it's what the members feel. It, you know, the members own that moment. That's your song. Mm. You own it from the terraces. So I would like to know, and, I, and and Rick, if you if you had any feedback already, tell me, what do the members want? Do the members want it faded down so 
as a group of 35 to 45,000, you can sing those last sort of 15 seconds or, 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 or do we want it, you know, at that same level all the way through as has been for the first sort of three or four seasons um, at Adelaide Oval? I like them both. Both have got a, a part. Um, my preference, my preference, and this is just my preference, is I like it to continue with the um, with the beat of the song all the way through. But that's just my preference. But you know what? If, if someone could start a thread up, I'd like to have a little survey on that because that would be really, really interesting. It's, again, not what we think here. It's what the members feel. I'm sure uh, I could, we can get a couple of social media polls and big footy polls going and, and see what it is. I mean, my personal preference is, you know, if we compare it to Liverpool, which is the analogy that comes up all the time. Um, yeah. The Liverpool supporters, they sing it, uh, Rain, Hail, Shine, without any support whatsoever. And it's just spine tingling. Um, if we can get to that stage where... We don't need the the audio of the song and even maybe the music and we're just singing it. I think that would be just an amazing, and amazing experience. I don't know if we're there yet, maturity-wise, but that's where I'd be hoping we can go with it. Personally. Okay. No. Well, like I said, please set up a poll. Um, and we factor these, you know, we, we there's a whole range of things we factor in, but, uh, you know, a poll like that, we could... We certainly factor in, you know, around brand management and those sort of things. And uh, I'd be, you know, if we get a if we get a decent number of respondents, it'd be it'd be really interested in that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, don't worry. Leave that with me, and I'll uh, I'll get you some feedback on it. I'm sure uh, I'm sure we can do it. But uh, yeah, it just adds to the atmosphere. Um, that's it for the questions. And Portia just chipped in and said that uh, I'm being slanderous, and uh, she's she's just building the gaps that I've left. So uh, it's uh, it's all about being part of the team. You see, Daniel, it's uh, yeah, we're we're a team at Poor Fan Radio. Hey, um, just quickly, I don't want to be disrespectful for the Maggies. We are one club after all. And before I let you go, um, they got up over the Tigers, so we've got both the teams at top of the ladder at the moment. We won ninety-two to eighty-nine, so a close game. After all, uh, we walloped the the Crows a week before. Um, Lanham's kicked three, need three. Farrell 2, Hayes 2, Tra- uh, Jackson Trengove 2. Is there anyone you think that's in the, the seconds at the moment that might be pushing a strong case for selection? Well, I went to that game on Friday night. Um, love going to watch the Magpies play. You know, we, we all attach ourselves to that to that Guernsey and sort of look at it and you just think how strong it is. I, I just love it. So, anyway, I was there and I'll tell you what, it reminded me a lot of round one last year against Glenelg whereby Glenelg led... But the blocks led at half time, and we sort of had to. It was like pulling. It was a bit like the Brisbane game, to be honest. Like we were pulling out. We got there, and then they hit the front with about a minute and a half to go. And Jakey needs kicked the goal with probably a minute or so to go on the clock, and it was a beautiful goal. The obvious one's Billy Frampton, isn't it? I mean, eighteen touches, had twenty odd hitouts from memory, and um, you know, you know, he he's obviously putting every foot forward um, to set himself up for. For that for for that job, uh, Jack Trengove got his hands on the footy, um, had a reasonable game. McKenzie looked quite composed in in defence. I like Joel Garner quite quite composed. So um, yeah, there's um, there's there's players doing their doing their bit. There's no doubt about that. It's just um, 
Uh, Jared Leonard actually was was really good. He he got put on to um, Terry Malira kicked seven goals for Glenelg. Yeah. Hard to believe from a small forward. He kicked six in the first half. Malira went on to him after half time, kept him to a goal and was quite attacking. There, you know from his half back position as well. So um, good depth. That's what happens, isn't it, Rick? Uh, when you have no injuries, you have creates great depth. Yeah, I think Joe Atley's probably pushing out of the midfielders. He's a he's a solid unit, and he's getting in and getting the ball. Yeah, it's a good observation, actually. I should have mentioned Joe. He was very good, and we saw how composed he was in a couple of games last year. I remember his debut against West Coast at Subi, you know, where, where he you know, sort of got the handball out in tight. Just remember setting up Bokey a couple of times. Um, he'll be a player. He He's tough, too. He, he could be a wrecking machine himself. Mm. Like a miniature Ollie. Like, I know he's no nowhere near Ollie, but he's got that little rugged sort of physique. Um yeah, uh, loves getting hard ball. Do you think Atley, Wines, and Pau Pepper could all play in the same side? Very three similar players. The uh, one for the coaches, but probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I wouldn't. Have, um, I wouldn't have thought so. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a good problem to have. It is a great problem to have. But look, Daniel, I've kept you on ten minutes longer than what I promised, so. I just want to say thank you very much for your time and uh, contributing to the program. And uh, now you're up there with KT and 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 Brian Cunningham. So uh, and and Benny Benny D from membership. Benny was, was on there. On, he was he's, he was on about a month ago. Benny got an invite before me. Yeah, he got on before you. He is in all he's a legend, isn't he? Like what he does with the march and how he handles, you know. The, the, the membership team and the inquiries a great Port Adelaide person Benny so uh, no richly deserved uh, he's I love him that's all I'll say I love Benny he's Port yeah, Adelaide through and through all the supporters uh, all the supporters love him he um, yeah he's a very popular man around the club with the supporters that's for sure so good job Benny D alright Daniel look thank you very much for your time and, uh, and the fans are also Greatly appreciative of you coming on, and I'm sure there'll be hundreds and or thousands of downloads. So uh, we'll speak to you very soon, my friend. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it, mate. Safe travels overseas, and um, thanks for everyone putting putting up with me. And yeah, make try and get that post on too. Uh, that that poll in relation to um, never tear us apart, Rick. So um, appreciate you. Thanks for your time, and I just reiterate as I finish, well done on the show. Well done on building a community like this, and um, I know you've been very passionate about it for. Oh, ever since I've known you over the last five or six years, and um, I'm, I'm, I wish you all the success with it, mate. Yeah, cheers, buddy. Hopefully, I just survived the zero degrees that it is in Toronto. That's the uh, that's the most concerning thing at the moment. Well, we had one of our hottest April days here in Adelaide, you know, on record. So, really? um, I think it's about we've got to about thirty five, thirty six today. Crikey, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's zero over here during the day. It is freezing. So yeah. Uh, uh, I wish I was in the 35. All right, mate, I'll speak to you soon. Okay, thanks, Rick. Bye. Thanks. Goes back. Lockwood can unload. Oh, he goes to the top. The old barrel. What a kick from Bowen Lockwood. Where did that come from? Well, they put it on that held the ball up. They had no one to kick it to. There was about four or five.